Welcome to Wild Hearts at Work, a podcast redefining our relationship with work through stories and conversations with Wild Hearts who have dared to challenge the status quo. And now, here's your host, Melissa Boggs. Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of Wild Hearts at Work. I am your host, Melissa Boggs. And our phrase for this week, it's like a new thing I'm doing. I like I didn't realize I was doing it, but now I'm doing it. So our phrase for this week is boundaries. Yes. And for this episode, I am really excited to invite Nick Frick. Am I pronouncing that right, Nick? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Nick Frick to the podcast. And Nick is a career coach with a very love. I love this specialty, but I'm going to let her tell you about it because I want to make sure that we capture it correctly. So who do you work with the most, Nick? I uh, Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining. I am excited to be here. I am Nick Frick. And you just said that. Thank you. I help. Uh, I especially love helping new moms because help them find their perfect match career after their identity shift happens and their priorities change as soon as they have a child that no one talks about. So I love helping them move through boundaries, make sure that when if they want to change jobs, it fits into their their lifestyle rather than forcing them to do things that they don't necessarily want or need to do anymore. Now that they have a baby. So you mean that when people have babies, they can go back to work and be productive members of teams and provide value? Uh, I know. It's it's wild to think about. But yes, yes, I've seen it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm being sarcastic, friends. But, um, you know, having had two babies myself many, many moons ago at this point, um, there is this like... One, this perception of everyone around you about what might happen, you know, are you going to come back, you know, and are you going to be the same and are you going to be as dedicated, which is so annoying. Um, And then at the same time, to your point, your world changes, right? And you have different needs, you have different desires. For some people, it fires them up even more. You know, for me, my oldest is uh, my daughter and I wanted her to see that, you know, women could be successful, that women could be successful after having children. And so it, it kind of fired me up even more. My career has been more on fire, um, you know, since having her and then subsequently my son. So what do you find is sort of the most challenging piece of that re-entry and like understanding who you are? And, I asked the question, but I'm just going to caveat this. I don't think this only applies to moms. So if, if you're listening and you're not just a mom, I think any big life shift or recognition of your values, like the great resignation and the pandemic and how we've all been looking at our priorities could bring some of these things back on. So back to my question. Sorry, Nick. Um, what do you think is the most difficult thing, <laughs> that first step of kind of reentry? I think the most difficult step for reentry, especially as a new mom, is that when I think about birth, 
my daughter is uh, like about two years old. So similarly, I got a fire under my ass as soon as she was born and was like, this is not how I want to be living in the world anymore. And I need to like really shift my values. And what happens is as soon as she's born, I was Nicole before then now I'm like my daughter's mom. And also I don't know who I am anymore as my own self. And so I forget like a lot of times my clients forget what hobbies they like to do before because they're not getting sleep or they don't have the support that they need or the boundaries that they need to set or even know how to do that because our identity shifts so quickly and we don't even know what it is yet and what we need to reprioritize. It's all the re's that ha- like all the rewords happen, like reconnecting to ourselves, re-remembering what we are, like reprioritizing and getting really clear on those values. And it becomes really hard because there's not a lot of time to like think about your values when you're also trying to raise a child in the first couple of years. And so it really does take time to um, commit to that and say, this is what's important to me and start looking for that. Agree. And again, everything that you just said, I'm just sort of thinking back to the last two years. And I think because of the circumstances in the world, we've all been forced to face those re's a little bit, Mm -hmm. even if you haven't given birth. And I can only imagine the poor moms who gave birth in the last two years and, you know, are facing it sort of in a double way. But, you know, when you're faced with a mortality, you know, with a raging pandemic and B with, you know, the changes that workplaces saw over the past two years, you, you start to ask yourself, like, why am I so invested in work? Not to say you shouldn't be, but why truly am I? What, what are my priorities? What are my values as it relates to work? And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely see like a correlation to just the last couple of years in our evaluating priorities in that Mm -hmm. way. So do do you see that too? Absolutely. When you were saying that, I was thinking about how we've had this like almost three year pause. I guess it's two years. It feels like three years. It feels like seven. (laughs) It feels like a (laughs) hundred. And this has really been a time when people have gotten that, that uh, ability or given a little bit more space to be a little bit more introspective. And I think when we try to go back to work in a way that um, you talk about on all of your podcasts, which is like the, the culture is shifting. And if they're, if you're the work that you're doing and the company isn't also shifting and evolving with what is happening around it, that also becomes difficult for any employee that feels like their company isn't a match anymore. When I think about it, it's like, you start your career at a company specific at a specific company at the same starting point, but both of you, the company and you evolve at different rates. And so you're not always going to be growing at the same time as them. They're not always going to be able to give you the resources that you need. And we have to like have personal agency and be like, this isn't a fit anymore. And realize that like, that's totally normal. Like you're not supposed to be in a job for 30 years. Like you're supposed to be evolving because that's like the human condition. We're here to evolve. We're here to like improve our communities. We're here to support each other. We're here to grow. And that happens as like in personal and also as a reflection of like how we're supporting our community. 
Sure. And it, I mean, you definitely see it. You see people having that reckoning, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And this whole great resignation, you know, and I know that we have some le- leaders listening who are hungry to actually change. Like they recognize what you are saying. They recognize that they have to lead differently in order to I don't want to just say retain people because that sounds to me like too um, basic. <laughs> you know, they, they're leaders that actually want to energize people and they want people to want to be there. Um, but in order to do that, they have to lead in a different way. And so I work with leaders a lot on self-organization, on teams being able to be empowered to make decisions because they're closest to the work. In order to do that, leaders have to establish boundaries. So basically, they have to be able to say, here's the information, here's the context of this project or this initiative, and here are the boundaries that you can work within. So finally, getting us to our topic of boundaries today, you help people with boundaries all the time. How can we apply it to this situation? How can leaders set really healthy and helpful boundaries for teams that actually allow teams to operate inside the boundaries with freedom. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love this to happen everywhere. I, what I see, how I see leaders being successful around boundaries is by one setting their own personal boundaries and sharing them with the team. So if you are a leader who feels bad about riding your Peloton in the afternoon, so does your team. So like, make sure that you set your boundary around the time that you get to, like Melissa talks about in her podcast is in, in this show is like, you become more creative when you take that bike ride in the middle of the day. You become more creative when you take your lunch break because you're stepping away. Your brain starts working on things. You take a shower because you're not focused on like what you have to do in the shower because you've been doing it your whole entire life. Your brain gets to like take a break and think of things that are going to impact the company for the better. And so when the first thing I would invite leaders to do is just like recognize your own boundaries and share them with your team because they want to know that you have boundaries because when you have boundaries, they feel safer in their work and they feel safer in setting their own boundaries. There was a uh, one of my friends just started a new job and in her first meeting with her manager, her manager was like, when do you, how do you like to respond to emails? How do you like to, when do you like to work out? If you do, like when, is, when is your best time? When is your best time of working? Do you like mornings? Do you like evenings? And it set really the stage of how they would start working together. And what was amazing is the story then that she shared where she was on her Peloton in the middle of the afternoon at three o'clock and her manager messaged her Uh, like sent her an email and was like, Hey, can you do this thing? And she got it on like her Apple watch. So she was like super distracted. And then she thought, wait, my manager knows that I work out around the three o'clock time. So I'm not going to respond. She like deleted the notification. And then she got an email from her, her, or a text from her manager that was like, so sorry. I know that this is your workout time. I'll send you an email about it, which like, if you can set a of an environment for your team to, so that they know that they can take care of themselves. Like how beautiful is that? We all get to like do the things that we need to do, do our laundry, whatever we need to do to like live our lives. 
And it, it really ripples out and affects like the rest of us. And I really love, that's what I love to see. So I think modeling boundaries to your team is the first way to, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually had a boss somewhat recently who made it really clear that when he was stuck on something, he would go for a bike ride because he was a cyclist and it would be like a four hour bike ride. But as far as he was concerned, he was still working because you better believe that whatever problem he was stuck on, he was thinking about while he was on that bike ride, at least subconsciously, right? Even Mm -hmm. if it wasn't front of mind and he wasn't stressing about it, but it was there. Um, So yeah, I 100% agree that the modeling, the modeling of the personal boundaries is the only way that you help your employees to understand that you will respect their personal boundaries. So 100%. Um, when it comes to boundaries for like work stuff where you're sort of, um, setting a team up and saying, okay, team, I want you to work on this thing. What I have found is if you can set them up with, here's the problem to solve. And then here's between, let's just say on a scale of one to 10, I would be okay with anything that landed as a solution between one and three but you better darn well be okay with anything that lands between one and three. Right. Mm. And so I think the thing about setting boundaries between you and other people, and I'm interested in your opinion on this is that you actually have to be willing to honor them. Right. You have to be okay with what they are. And for leaders like that can be sticky. I mean, it means you might have to set that boundary closer than you wish you could because maybe they're not equipped or they don't have all the information, but like, here's, I am okay with anything between one and four. And next time I'd like it to be between one and six. I'd like you to have broader boundaries, but here are the things that we need to equip you with for next time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about your opinion on being okay with the boundary that you're setting between yourself and someone else. I think that's like, what came to my mind was a conversation that Brene Brown Brown talks about is like, and I think it's in dare to lead is like, show me, show me what done looks like. And then being okay, what done is. And the only way that you can be okay with it is I think if you've already practiced smaller boundaries, like we can't start our boundary journey by doing it with our parents or like, we can't do it with like, um, like more, personal relationships it has to be something easier like like a lunch break like it has to be done with like one of my clients who was never taking a lunch break she was on a team that had a culture of no lunch breaks and when we started working together i was like it's very important for all of us to be taking our lunch breaks and she like understood the value of it she saw what she would get from it and so she was um invited to start taking her lunch break as an experiment for one week just to see how she felt about it. And on Monday the, of the week, she uh, took the lunch break. She said it was extremely uncomfortable. She asked and told her team that she was going to be taking a lunch. And they said, you know what? That's cool. We'll cover you during your lunch. And she's like, you don't need to cover me because it's a lunch break. Like we should all be taking a lunch break. And then the second day, Tuesday, she uh, skips it. Cause like a lot of things were happening that day and everything was seemed urgent. On Wednesday, she took it and another employee on her team was 
told her that she was also going to take her lunch break. So she wasn't going to be available on Thursday. She did half of her lunch break. And then on Friday, she not only took her lunch break, but uh, that other person also took their lunch break. And another person did yoga during their lunch break. And so it's, Like the miracles happen and like the magic of boundaries happen when you say you're going to do the thing and then you do the thing, even even if it's really, really, really uncomfortable. So I think the way for leaders to do it is to just start smaller. Like if you know that you're not holding boundaries, if you didn't learn how to do them when you like in your personal life, like start with something small, start like, hey, team, guess what? I'm going to be gone every single lunch break from 12 to 1. If you need me and it's very urgent and then explain what urgent is, you can like call me on my cell phone. But like other than that, that's it. And then hold it. Don't send them emails. Don't slack them. Don't be doing the things that you told me you weren't going to be doing because then that'll start building the trust for them to also believe that they can do that for themselves too. Agreed. Why do you think it's so hard for us to create and maintain boundaries, particularly in the workplace. I think, you know, personally, there's all kinds of different dynamics that are unrelated to work. So let's just, for the workplace, why is it Mm -hmm. so hard for us to hold boundaries? I think because, especially where I live in the Bay Area, like the culture around the hustle and doing all the things and the competition of who's busy makes it look, makes us feel like this goes back to like our, our reptilian brain, which wants us to feel a sense of belonging. Like when we were killing animals in the, in the forest to like eat, we needed to stay in the pack so that we wouldn't get hurt and stay alive. And so that, that kind of adrenaline and that cortisol comes to us similarly when we're in a workplace where we feel like we're stepping out of bounds, where even like the idea of taking a lunch break feels like an attack on our nervous system. And so we've set up companies where it doesn't feel safe for us to do the things that we need to do to have a fulfilling life, to have joy in our life. And it's hard to do at work because no one's also really modeling it. There's only a couple of like a handful, more than a handful, but because I have small hands, but like um, a lot, there's only a, 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 there are fewer companies really doing this inside of their culture than there are not doing it. And we've seen that play out in the pandemic when people are forced to go back to their office, even though there's not actually a real reason for them to go. And it's pretty arbitrary and related to how we used to do it and the status quo and how we've always done it without question of how it will impact the rest of your employees. Um, I think like the cultures inside of the workplaces are, are the reason why. And like, we also live in a patriarchy, like a patriarchal system and racism and all the other things that are like feeding into what we can and can't do and how we can soothe ourselves and be successful. And the idea of what success even means anymore becomes um, clouded inside of a, a company where you may not feel valued anymore or where you may not be at a company anymore where you need to be like, it might be time to move on. Yes. I think what's interesting. And I think that the last couple of years have started to bring this to light. Um, 
But when we do have boundaries and we are successful in creating them, maintaining them, and over time, even sort of expanding them, we actually show up and do our best work. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's in the best interest of the company, of the leaders to not only encourage us to have boundaries, but model it themselves. Um, So I love like what your first story about, you know, the manager that sat down and said, okay, what's, you know, what's the best time? What's the best um, time for working out and whatnot, because they're making that okay. As long as like they did, they followed up. Even when they messed up, they, they went, Oh, I messed up. Sorry. Wrong time of day. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I give talks about, uh, to reference Brene again, exhaustion, not being a status symbol. And I am still guilty of, you know, if I'm working alongside other coaches that seem to be working more hours than me, or like, you know, somehow showing up in a bigger way than me, I tell other people, (laughs) hold your boundaries, you know, and, and I do, but yeah, like my reptilian brain is like, oh, do they think that I don't, I'm not as committed to them? Do they think I don't care as much as them? But no, my energy capacity is just, you know, a certain level. And the only person that can know that about you is yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think leaders can invite boundary conversations, but we have to be willing to step into them and and own them. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from here, Nick? Because I feel like we could, what's coming up for you right now? I think for me, what's coming up is like, why do we even need boundaries? Like what, what, what's the benefit of them? So we can like the way that we've been talking about it is like, how can leaders use them? Why, like how to do it, but like why it matters is to create that sense of that sense of culture that you want on your team, which is, I will help support you so that you give me good work. Like that's, that's amazing. Like that's really what our leaders need us to do is to help us become better at our jobs and also like contribute to the the company. And I think when we think about boundaries, I like to think about them as like the guidelines that you were saying, like for a project and realizing that inside and outside of work, like boundaries protect our peace of mind. They protect our joy. And we can always use like our anger and frustration at an employee to instead of getting upset that they did something wrong in, into like, hey, why did I got upset about this thing that my employee did or did not do? Why? And what do I need to set a boundary? Like a boundary is just like a container. The next time you do this, I need you to do it this way instead of getting upset with them and blaming them for it. Like there might be a piece that you can take like personal agency for and like personal awareness and be like, why is my employee doing this? Are they like, sometimes you just have a bad employee that you don't trust and you probably need to fire them. Like, I don't think people are fired enough, but other side is like, how, how am I contributing to this and how can I support my team members so that they can give and get good work? Yeah. And I'd add to that on the flip side, maybe it's that the employee has a boundary that you are Mm, crossing as the leader and you didn't even know it. And that's why you're not getting from them what you need. 
Um, so yeah, I think it could go either direction to the same result, unfortunately at times, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. It's not, yeah. And checking in with them to see like, I noticed you're not doing this. Is it something I'm doing or am I, am I confusing? Like having a conversation about it rather than just getting upset about it, I think is, is really the the point we're trying to make. <laughs> yeah. So what are some, so we've talked about examples of boundaries being, um, you know, time, like start time and end time of work, taking a lunch break. What are some of the deeper, uh, maybe more difficult boundaries for us to set as employees with our leader or with the company? I think, especially as it relates to people going back to the office during a pandemic, uh, whether like how comfortable you are being around people and, and it not being, an odd conversation. Like that's an important boundary to be upholding. Like we can only talk about our own risk right now and how we feel, how we would feel safe at work if we're going into the office. I think the types of conversations that we have at work, like sometimes we like when, like when people are pregnant at work, sometimes we don't want to talk about it or we don't want to be told like, you're not going to be, Oh, you're not coming back to the office probably after you're done working. Like, that, like that's not necessary to talk about. And someone also said that to me while I was pregnant at work. Um, and just like any assumptions around like our lifestyle outside of work, like those kind of boundaries. I think a really great um, person, like a master boundary setter and teacher is Melissa Urban. She's She wrote the whole 30 and now talks about boundaries all the time on her Instagram. And I'm just like, I eat it up all the time. She like has it in her stories where you can, ask questions and then she gives you a like different types of ways to respond. Yeah. Um, so check that out. And then um, boundary, other boundaries at work are just like how much work you can take on. And you said time, like time of the day, but also like when someone, when you have a culture where you can just like put calendar time on other people's calendar, like being able to say, actually, I don't take meeting. Like I had a client who was like, it's 9 p.m. I all of a sudden just got an 8 a.m. meeting without notification. It's just popped on my my thing. And I was like, she's like, what do I do? I was like, you tell them that you're not coming or you don't show up. Or the next time you say, hey, that's not how I'm going to work here. And then you get to set the precedent forward for staying. Like we were talking about before, like how do you keep your boundaries? You keep your boundaries by keeping your boundaries, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you just brought up for me is like, this is about making the implicit explicit, right? With boundaries. And, you know, one of the things that I've successfully done with teams is working agreements. Um, And when you were talking about the 9 p.m. to 8 p.m., what I was thinking of is um, we're more global than ever. Like, you know, sometimes the time zones you might be working with are three hours ahead of you, and sometimes they might be nine hours ahead of you. And so having that's a boundary that might be interesting is like having explicit conversations about like the core hours. Like we may all work eight hours in a day, although I would say you don't have to. But we may work eight hours a day, but we do recognize that only four of them are core hours that work for all of us in our time zones. And I think that's an important like team boundary to set if you're in that global situation. So I think so 
let's brainstorm a couple more of those. Like there are team boundaries that, that are helpful to set as a group. So it's not just like your individual boundary, but let's talk about all our individual boundaries. Mm, One that came up with for me was like how, how many meetings happen and when Mm. they happen. Like, first of all, I don't think that we need to have as many meetings as we do. We, we have ways of sending audio messages. We have Slack, we have email, like people should know how to use those things and be able to get their point across without having a 30 minute meeting that should have been an email. I, I like hate saying that because it's like, so now cliche, but like, it's true. Like if there's a way for the, your business to be like, uh, Wednesdays are the only day we have meetings or we always have Wednesdays free of meetings so that people can get um, their heads down work because a lot of the times when people come to me and, and friends that are also in tech are like, I don't have time to do my work because I'm in meetings all day and I don't know how to get out of them. And one of the ways to get out of them is start saying no to them. Even if it feels hard and scary and you think you're going to die or throw up, like <laughs> try and do it. And otherwise, like this, this podcast is about wild hearts. Like we're here to push the status quo around. We're like, like we're not here to fit in the box of what's been happening. We want to, we want to make it better for all of us. And the way that we do that is by standing up and being like, we have too many meetings. How do we fix this? I need to get, I, if you want me to get work, like actual work done that we talked about in this meeting, I need time to do it. So how can we, how can we work together to make this happen? Everyone in this meeting that we didn't need to have. (laughs) I saw the funniest thing on LinkedIn yesterday and I wish I could credit the person. So if you're listening and you wrote this, please let me know and I'll put you in the show notes. But it said, um, couldn't this meeting have been an email? Uh, It was an email six weeks ago when I sent the email and you didn't read it. So now it's a meeting. And I loved it. But that was so funny. Um, So two things came up for me when you were talking about too many meetings that I think are interesting. Um, one doesn't really have to do with boundaries, but just the idea that we have these meetings and we go to them even when we don't want to often because we want to be important, right? Like we, we're afraid of missing something. There's like a FOMO element. So that's one, but I'm actually Mm going to take that off for a second. The other one that I personally encounter from time to time is just difference in working style. Mm -hmm. And this is where boundaries do come into play. So there are some people who really want to work out loud. Like they enjoy working together, working out loud, going through it as a team. And there's others who, and I don't know if this is an extrovert or introvert thing. I would guess that it was. I'm pretty deeply introverted and I prefer to get, I like to work as a team, but I prefer to get like my thoughts in order first. I prefer to get a head start first and then come to the table with something not finished. I mean, I still want to work on it together, but like something that I've put my mark on, I guess, um, and had time to think about. Mm. And so it's an interesting boundary that I have struggled to set of like, it's not that I'm not a team player. I just need a little bit of time beforehand to, to get organized in my brain. Maybe it's an ADHD thing too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what's coming up for me is just like how to, how a leader could handle that knowing that like, 
introverts and extroverts are not a new thing that we don't know about. I am very extroverted when you were saying uh, like I'm a verbal creator. Like I need someone to bounce ideas off of at all times and like talk at my husband. I don't even talk to him. I like speak at Mm -hmm. him to like think like I'm always like the thing I'm about to say is my first draft. I don't actually know if I believe it yet. And so when we have introverts and extroverts, like what are ways that we can get you all like introverts to work with me, right? Like I want, I want your ideas. You have brilliant ideas because you've already, you won't say it until it's like pretty brilliant already. And I'm here like spewing stuff out, trying to figure it out. And you're like, here's this thing. And it's usually like very magical and a gem. And I don't want to lose that because I'm speaking over you or have said 45 things before you or someone else has. And so maybe it's a thing of like, giving the boundaries as a leader, like we're not going to talk about this until X date. So that gives you time, Melissa, to think about it, noodle on it, sit in the shower with it. And then it gives me time to like, if I want, like brainstorm off people, but it's not with you. So I'm not intruding on yours. But now I'm thinking of the thing of like, but then you're also not invited to this meeting that I had to create to create. So um. Maybe that won't work, but I think that there's something there. I mean, it's an interesting, for me personally, I have had to just assert my personal boundary, you know, and like make make it clear to people around me that like, there there's nothing in me that wants to offend you. There's nothing in me that is keeping anything from you, but like my brain just works a certain way. And I've, I've been successful in doing it upfront when we're not talking about a specific project, right? Like, Hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's my personal boundary. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I mean, because in some ways it's just a working style, but in other ways it can encroach on my personal space, right? Um, If I don't have that and I don't have to have it. Yes, I do. I just almost dismiss my own boundary. I do. I have to have it. It's happening here. It's happening. (laughs) It may be five minutes. It may be five days, but like I do, I need the time to process. That's just how it works. Um, Small sidebar, but this was a hilarious thing with my husband for years. Like we just hit 20 years of being together. He is very much an external processor. I am very much a, I need to think about it for a while. And I had to tell him like for years, I had to say, "I, I am not mad or maybe I am mad, but I'm not being silent because I'm mad. You know, this isn't the silent treatment. I just have to get okay with how I feel and what I'm thinking in my brain where he wants to like talk about all the things and I love him for it, but it took a long time for him to be like, okay, she means it. She is, she always comes around. Like she always comes back and has a very healthy conversation. Um, But it's just an interesting thing. We are all different in that way. Yeah. We have a rule in our house that we got in couples therapy that was like, I'm not allowed to talk to my husband until when we were leaving the house, it's kind of changed and we have had to create new boundaries around it. But but when we were both leaving the house for work, I was not allowed to talk to him for 20 minutes after he walked in the door so that he could like decompress and like get his introverted battery refilled so that he could feel supported and be able to like listen to me and then support me as a person who needs to be talking to someone. 
I literally just felt my own body like release some stress hearing you say that. Like, I don't know if it's on behalf of your husband or myself, but, (laughs) but that's really beautiful. Like creating that space. And, you know, at some point he had the ability to set that boundary, you know, in therapy or whatever it was, and you were honoring it. Mm -hmm. I I think you were honoring it. Yeah. Most, most (laughs) of the time, thank you for giving me such generosity there. Um, but I do think that, Um, my, my husband has taught me a lot about boundaries. He's such like, he's my boundary model and I really, really appreciate how, how he shows me because he's so much more introvert, like he's in, we are classic introvert extrovert. So like the way that he processes things and especially when we've been working in the home together, like also his like masculine energy and my feminine energy, like they, it's very conflicting. So being able to like, even before this started, he was about to ask me cause we're about to go on a trip and he was going to ask me like all these administrative things. And I was just like, I am about to get on a podcast at this time for this much time. I cannot talk to you until it is over. And he was like, cool. And just like left the room. And I think because because we have that space around it with boundaries and holding each other accountable for them. Um, it was a safe place for me to be where in the past I would have felt very afraid of even saying that at all and would have then just been bombarded with information that I didn't need. That wasn't setting me up for success to have this conversation with you. And that's the beauty of boundaries. It makes us feel that deep exhale you just had. It's like, I feel safe here. I feel secure and I can be, my authentic wild heart here at work because my leader cares that I need to work out. They care that I don't email them on the weekends. Like I used to have a boss who would message me, like slack me at like 5 PM on Friday, like all the time. Boo. Boo. You need to to get like the button. That's like, boo. (laughs) I really do. I need the boo button. And then I need like the cheering button. And I'll just do like every episode. I'll just like, alternate between them <laughs> yeah as a huge pitbull fan i also request the air horn please yes i'm sure everyone will love that um but you're absolutely right and again i go back to it it behooves and benefits the leader and the company to approach things that way because i'll kind of make this my final point before i go into the final questions but our generation, I'm kind of assuming we're roughly the same generation. Of, I'm an elder like, millennial. Me too. I'm, <laughs> I love calling it a zenial. I'm a zenial. Mm, nice. Um, but I would say probably starting with the millennials and after, they started to like capture some agency, right? And they started to push back. And for mm-hmm. quite some time, our elders and maybe even some of us were guilty of thinking of that as like, Oh, you need to be coddled and you know, you need to be pampered. And it, that idea makes me so annoyed because really what it's about is brain science. (laughs) Really it's about getting, you know, the most value for the customer through (laughs) supporting the people that are doing the work. And so get that, get that people. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the word of the day. Um, all right. So going into our final questions, I love this question so much. And you've actually brought it up a couple times already. So you've set me up mm-hmm. quite well. When you first heard about this podcast and you heard the title, Wild Hearts at Work, 
what did that mean to you? How did that resonate with you? When I first heard it, what came to mind was when I was in recruiting, in tech recruiting, and I got this client to the offer stage. And as soon as I gave her the offer, she asked me what the parental leave was. And at the time, it was garbage. It was like six weeks. And she was like, I'm at a different company and I have five months paid leave. So I'm going to stay here. And in my like, in my wild heart at the time, I was like, this is not okay. And like, I just lost this incredible candidate because we can't support a person who's about to have a baby who's actually going to get us like so much closer to the company's goal. And so it's, I set out as my like goal to increase the pay at the company. And I also became like the leader of the women's group at, at it. And when I think about that and I was like taking screenshots of every single time I lost a candidate because of our parental leave, I'd like send it to HR and like, like fix the system from the inside. And it like that feeling of like changing how we take care of our people and create culture around not just parental leave and changes, but now like mental health. Like I think mental health is like the leave of absences are becoming more present and available to people. And if you, if you need a mental health leave, check and see if your company will cover it because they likely will. And it's really, really important to know that you have resources available and taking advantage of them. And my therapist would say milk it. Um, So like the wild hearts for me is just like, how are we making the world a better place for everyone? Not just, um, ourselves. Beautiful. I love it. So tell everyone where they can find you, what do you have coming up and just what's going on in your world for the next little while and how we can join you. Yeah, please join me. I am excited um, about a new group program that I'm launching in April. It's called power groups. And if you want to hear about them, you can come to see me on Instagram at Hey Nick Frick, or you can grab my joy list at nickfrick.com slash joy. And why I love the joy list is because we were talking about today, like our boundaries are here to protect our joy. It's the reason we work. The reason we work is to make money so that we can have more joy in our life. Right. And so you can... (laughs) Um, you can grab that again at nickfrick.com slash joy and then what was coming to me that I really want to make present is like a lot of times when we're shifting roles we take our bad boundaries and our, our rather lack of boundaries and bad habits from our last role and we take them with us to the new job and so it's really important to reflect on that before you head to your next job And one of those ways to do that is to what I call create water wings around you while you're in a job, which is setting yourself up with joyous things that bring you peace, nurturing, whatever you need to be to be your best self to your life before you outgrow the role that you're in so that you have something available to you, even if you hate your shit job right now. Like It's okay to not like your job. It's not the only thing about you. It is not your inherent worthiness. Like you are here to be a creator of beautiful, beautiful things. And one way to do that is to make sure that you always have your joy water wings on. 
and to help you make your your list of what your your joy is because a lot of us have forgotten what our hobbies are because we haven't been able to go to coffee shops and like see our friends um grab that i would love to to be connected with you and continue this conversation i love it so much i'm using that from now on my joy water wings uh minor roller skating and music um, ah! so there's that um but i'm excited about that joy list too i'm going to check that out uh, well, Nick, thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun conversation. Um, you're a sparkly human, and I love that. Um, so I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the work that you do in the world. Thank you so much for the invitation, Melissa. I had a great time. Awesome. appreciate it. Thank you. And for you, my friends, thank you for coming back again. Or if this is your first time joining the podcast, I hope that you will return. Um, but please... Like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your grandma. Um, hopefully there's a little bit of something here for everybody. I just said grandma. Um, remember that we do have a Patreon. And then also, um, I am really excited that on February 15th, which will be before this episode airs, uh, I am relaunching melissaboggs.com with products and services for leaders who would like to close the gap between themselves and their teams. And we do that through intentional employee experiences. Um, I give keynotes, I do workshops, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I would love to help you take your company to the next level. That was the pitchiest pitch, pew, pew, pitch, pew, pitch. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> but again, thank it. you for love being it. here. And until next time, dear hearts, stay wild. Mm. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Wild Hearts at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. For more resources and to connect with Melissa, visit melissaboggs.com. Also, if you or someone you know is doing great work in a wild way, get in touch about being a guest on the show. Until next time.